Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redux Push Zeppelin Podcast. The only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and NBR Podcast Networks. And as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Cluffy. Cluffy to die for? Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) Then they're gonna drink me! Oh my god! God. No bog coffee. It's goblin backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that has nothing to do with the coffee. They're like, right. (laughs) Deadly Grounds Coffee. It's better than Troll 2. (laughs) (laughs) The, The easiest accolade to achieve, it has. So it's what are the, we doing here today? It's the, it's the best kofifi you've ever had. Oh, oh kofifi. my goodness! I bet, I bet, because I've never had a kofifi before. Oh, me Coffee either. Fair. Me Coffee either. Fair. So I have nothing you, to go by. You think anyways, we, yeah. Anyways, I am your host. I am your host, Nintendo, and with me, as always, <laughs> are my arcadic cohorts, Boss Rush Mode. One credit equals one play. Parasite Steve. Hey, I got next. And Eight Bit Alchemy. Oh man, no fair. I tilted this pinball machine. Crick. 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 Toot. Toot. Yeah, for those of you who, what, what game was that, Joe, with the crick? Uh, was that Shock Troopers? Shock Troopers, yeah. Yeah, there's Shock Troopers 2 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, either Shock Troopers 1 or 2. There's, there's a, an English at the end where somebody like cocks their pistol and it's supposed to just say <laughs> click, but they replace the first, the L with an R and it just says crick. crick. It's just so funny. <laughs> It's an arcade memory of recent years, actually. That was on my birthday a yes. couple of years ago yes. when we that went was... to, uh, what was that arcade we went to in Haverhill? That was fun. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the place, but, but anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't really an arcade. It was like a, it was like, oh, it was a barcade bar. sort of deal. Yeah. It was like an emulation yeah. bar. <clears throat> right. 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 Yeah. Um, so today's episode, we are going to be talking about unique arcades, hmm. not just for looks, but for playability. Unique arcade cabinets, like the yeah, games yeah, themselves, games. right? Not yes. the yep. places. Yes. Not, not the right. places. Not the places. Those are, that's a different time. Yes. 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 Because yes. yes. we just got done talking to Paul <clears throat> Niemeyer, who was a real cool dude and uh, recorded uh, an episode of The Brig for us. You're going to get to hear that soon. Yeah. And he was yes. a uh, guy who, uh, as you will find out, illustrated the sides and artwork and uh, dressed up a lot of really classic arcade games for Bally Midway and stuff. So that was really fun. So oh, it was yeah. super fun to talk yeah. to him. Super cool. And here we are Great. all, you know, wanting to do more stuff with arcade stuff. Yeah. Car- yeah put I us mean, in a, why the hell not? Mood. Put that us in Paul. a mood indeed. That's yeah. right. God he damn it, Paul. Why you got to be so cool? I don't know. Right. I don't know why. So I will start off and then we'll just go around the room, which I can't really say room because we're in four different rooms. The virtual <laughs> room. Uh, the virtual room, right. Um, so, okay. So, my first pick would be Midnight Marauders, which was released in 1984, which our good friend Paul had worked on. Hell of a first um, one to go for because, yes, we get to immediately talk about Paul's work, and it's a really interesting piece in his uh, his collection, in, really in his is. body of works, rather. We'll have to post the ad on our Facebook group. Definitely. Oh, man, that it's dude's quite, stance, his, yeah. his horse riding, invisible horse riding stance. <laughs> yes. It's like, dude, what are you doing? It looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> Crap people with guns. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he told us. So Paul did the artwork for the side of of the machine and the front yes. and the marquee and stuff. But there there was a flyer, a hilarious flyer that he was just kind of there for when they when they um, were shooting it and stuff. And the guy <laughs> the guy in the picture is so hilarious. He apparently was the um, photographer's assistant. assistant yeah and yeah. he looks like he's so trying to be badass like but he has no idea what he's doing and then he doesn't know what badass is oh my god it's it's, it's almost it's almost like maybe he's too tall for the machine so he has to like awkwardly yeah like, like awkwardly squat yes i know Seriously, that's like me in every table at work i'm like fuck everything is so much shorter than me <laughs> so i just do that why are the tables only four feet long and tall? god so tell us about midnight marauders this was actually marauders, final yes. game for yes. valley midway this was yes. this one yep it was right. um so i want to read a little bit about the game from this website called pine repair because i think it's pretty interesting okay. um so it was released in 84 and it's a combination of a em style dale mechanical gun game in the Bally Pinball MPU-133 solid-state board system. Those are some letters and numbers right there. Right, so that's for like our tech-savvy that's people. That's it. Yeah. Tech-savvy people. You arcade and, fanatics. And apparently, you know. Baby Pac-Man used the same board as well. Hmm. Um, baby, it, baby Pac-Man? Yes. Baby. Baby. Baby Pac-Man. <laughs> baby Pac-Man. Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Anyways, it has to be from pack, several pack, pinball pack, games. Wow, <laughs> my baby pack, baby pack, baby. Valley's <laughs> uh, baby pack man with Valley. cabinet art. <laughs> okay, when you Ooh, babies, full stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? Why always full stop? <laughs> uh, because you can't half stop. You can't half stop. You can't half stop. You gotta go all the way. You do. Yes, by the way. So this so was not is, a, a traditional arcade game. There was no, no to this. absolutely not. This it was, was, a, like, it was like a shooting this, gallery. I mean, it's I just, should say it's not a video game. It's not a video game at all. It's like it's really, really weird. Um, it has like like these little shifts that move from side to side, and yeah, they have physical, like, like little, little target, like yeah, like little, 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 little targets. Shifts. Yeah, they have like, like little, a, little like like light targets that you have to shoot. Yeah, so uh, yeah. It's like it's a rifle light gun game. Yes. Yeah. Like, like an arcade-style shooter in the old sense of the word. Like if a caveman targets. was like, I want to make a video game, right. but darn it, I don't have video yet. Yes. So he just right. built a gallery. This is just, like when Unga and Bunga were working on their first arcade. Unga like, Scooch! It's like that. <clears throat> That's not right. what that Get is. Get out of here, right. Bunga. B- right. Bubba. Bubba. Bubba Duck. Unga right. Scooch! We'll do a dark. We'll do a Ducktales episode someday. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll someday. someday, someday, someday. Okay, but yeah, yeah. This game was very cool. Honestly, like yeah. to and, and from what Paul said, he did the sculpting, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah yep. Very. Um, they're just cut out, so they're they're three dimensional, but only in the uh, you know the sense that a like a a biscuit or a cookie or something is three dimensional. It's like essentially just a shape, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, like a, they're like little biscuit guys. But biscuit though, really, hands man strikes again. It's it's all sci-fi, and uh, honestly, the 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 alien guys are in like these spacesuits, but they look very unique. They're really cool, right? They're actually they are the the marauders. Ah, themselves. oh shit, they're the ones. They're the ones. Oh, oh my god, they only come out at midnight. That's why they call midnight marauders. That is such an appropriate. I'm just making name. that. I'm just making that up. No, no. I think you might just, be onto something you just, there. 
freestyling and profiling. I'm just freestyling, yo. Wiley, Wiley profiley. Brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. I hear you. <laughs> the artwork all around this this particular machine is very, very cool. Oh, it's it fantastic. is. Yeah, there's a lot of really unique, like we were saying, unique designs, especially where, you know, this game doesn't have graphics, so it didn't, right. I mean, Obviously, not that a lot of old arcade games had accurate drawings to their graphics, but it didn't really need to be like super creative. But the designs were very, you know, of their own kind. They didn't mm-hmm. look like, you know, a carbon copy astronaut guy or, you know, gray man that you see in everything. It right. was cool. Like, I, I definitely um, would have liked to see these things appear in other, other games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I may have seen this in some arcades, but I've never actually played it. Oh, wow. And uh, from what I know is they didn't make a lot of them because there was so many issues with it. Like there's this chip in the back of the, 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 the cabinet that tends to fall off or break really easily. And, this is, and it's not like, Oops. and it's not like, you know, they can just buy this chip anywhere. It's like, no, this chip was made specifically for this game. You have to time travel back to 1983 four <laughs> and that's yeah. hard yeah 84 I mean, that's yeah hard. That, that's hard i mean who wants to time travel i mean i do I mean, who I mean, has the resources really when do we <laughs> want him what what do we want time travel when do we want it irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I can't i can't claim that as something i thought if i saw that on facebook a couple days ago <laughs> you should really just claim more stuff because we wouldn't no know. no i shouldn't See, Boss Rush here is a man of his word. He has honor. He has right. honor, and he knows he's like, God damn it, I'm going to bring this joke to the table, but I won't. The internet, the internet will find out eventually anyway, so I may as well just fucking just come clean now. Exactly. Right. Somebody, somebody in the comments is going to be like, hey, 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 you stole that. Although nobody That was me, you yeah, son yeah, of a I bitch. <laughs> Boss Rush, you outed yourself. Don't do that. Hey, you know. It was hey. his truth to tell. It was. It was right. his truth. Right. So, so Midnight Marauders, very cool. Very uh, awesome. I, I, yeah. I, if I see this and it's operational, I would love to. Oh, oh me too. For oh, sure. Absolutely. No, once the world is done, going crazy. Yeah. I, <laughs> yes. I, think, I think it's fair to say that at this point, I will lose my shit if I see it out in the wild. Um, right. I, I think that would be amazing. I'm yeah. sure the game's not amazing. But like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, the game is very dated, but yeah. Uh, well, it's, still, mean, I, it's still neat. Yeah, yeah it's still well, he cool. said they, they never worked, and like you said, there's just so many problems. So I mean, yeah. Clearly. But he, yeah. you know, he said with the designs that you know he really tried because he could tell it was kind of like the writing was on the wall. The video game crash was kind of coming, and um, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they, a lot of people were getting let go, and he he, he felt like this might be his last job, and it, for them, and it, and it was, it was, yeah. yeah. So he put a lot into it, but it it does show the uh, the designs are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Midnight right. Marauders. Marauders. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I will post some uh, some uh, footage of the game on our Facebook page. So oh, cool. Yes, I'll do that on the release of this episode. Perfect. Um, so moving on. Yes. Bus rush mode. Hi. Oh hi. Hi. Up. Oh. Hi. First oh, time you want listener. Me to talk about something? Oh, okay. oh, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. Click long time caller, first time listener. Wait, oops, oops. Uh, first time, long time. I mean, oh, I just oops. tend to call random phone numbers. Yeah. The first well, time I've I'll, listened I'll, to it. 
I'll let you get through half a point, then I'll hang up on you, then I'll talk about myself for 45 minutes and barely talk about sports. <laughs> anyway, I'm definitely not going to talk about sports. I want to talk about a, a, a game called Periscope. Mm. Well, it's actually down, kind of, um, down Periscope. Uh, just, just Periscope. Down, oh. take it easy, boy. And it was uh, developed actually <laughs> by two separate companies: um, Nakamura Manufacturing, which is now known as Namco, and Sega. And I guess oh. Sega produced a lot more of them, and uh, the Nakamura Manufacturing Company really made more of the uh, special. I guess just specialized ones. I guess for uh, I okay. couldn't really find out too much from the the research, but uh, mm-hmm. Sega seemed to do the bulk of the uh, the production, and I. From what I could gather, it was Sega's first like actual like arcade game or like video game. Oh wow! And this was released in 1966. Wow! Or in 65 or 66. And um, the year I was born. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. You look I mean, young for my age. age. What? <laughs> Damn. What? <laughs> no. Certainly uh, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but as the as the title of the game would suggest, it has a periscope, and you look through it, and you know, it's not like a video game where it's like a, I mean, this was the '60s, so there wasn't like you know monitors that you were actually like looking at with like graphics on it. It had like actual like I don't know what they were like you know, like wood or cardboard like little ships that would be you know swung back and forth horizontally, and you'd have to line up your shot and time it. You know, like you're firing torpedoes at distant you know objects in the ocean, and um. These machines were pretty big. I, the, the, um, for the first couple of years, they were. Um, if, you, if you go to like the Wikipedia page, you'll see like a, like like a fly or something. And I'll show like a, a, a one-player model, but the um, they were like three-player models. So it was like that side by side by side. So this thing was fucking gigantic. Wow. And um, these things were like so expensive to like kind of like upkeep and just you know have and to import. I guess importing from Japan was you know you know by relative standards for the day, pretty ridiculous. So uh, to offset that cost, it was the first game to be uh, 25 cents per play. And it kind of set that standard for the following decades to come in, in huh. the industry. So, uh, Super interesting. But it was, it, was, it was still very, very popular. People still played a lot of it, and it was uh, such a success for Sega that they, it really got them going into the video game market. And obviously, they're still doing gaming today, so right. it had like a permanent effect on you know, their, you know, their identity. Right. So, Very what cool. was uh, what was the common uh, median price for a uh, one play of an arcade game back in the day, if not twenty five cents? Uh, I am not a hundred percent sure, but I, I would assume like a dime or a nickel. Yeah, or a nickel or something, maybe. Yeah. Wow, I'd buy that. There were, there were a lot of there were, uh, were a lot dime of penny or a nickel. games too, but yeah, and there were a lot of penny games too. But like I said, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, at, at at that time, but obviously, it wasn't a quarter until Periscope came around. Right. right, people. Right, that right. that's the equivalent of seeing a game now. It's like two dollars to play, and you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck!" Like <laughs> that is pricey, yeah, but that's set awesome. the standard. And, that's awesome. Yeah, and the game was and the game was still going pretty strong uh, a couple of years afterwards. And so, in, in 1968, Sega actually started developing a one-player model, so which was a lot more cost-effective, you know, compared to the, the, the gigantic three-player model. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, so I have to I, say, I, I mean, looking at the the pictures, I mean, it looks impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, totally. I've I've never seen this in the wild, so I can't yeah, I mean, begin either. to tell you how it how it plays. But I mean, oh, okay. If you just look at pictures or if you find video of it, I mean, it seems you know simple enough. But just you know, think of it at the time; it's you know pretty impressive. You know, this, plus you get this big, huge, just just the presence of it must have been like so yeah. ridiculous. Even even by today's standards, you see a machine like that, you're like. What the f is this? You know, yeah, exactly. Never mind, ne- yeah, never mind. You know, 
60 years ago, you know, or 55 years ago. Exactly. Like it's eye catching by today's standards. And I mean, I think that's, that was a huge thing with arcades, you know, where everything was like visual advertisement. That wasn't something that you heard about in a magazine. It's just like, you know, on the spot, I'm here. What am I going to play? And this massive friggin' game takes your eye a lot like midnight Marauders where it's just cool looking, you know, you're going to wander over and check that out. Right. Right. Which is really, right. really kind of neat. I mean, that that was uh, something we talked about uh, with Paul is that like essentially uh, the way that the machine looked is your only, in many cases, your only point of advertising. You know, yep. it's not mm. like there were trailers or posters or whatever. In some cases, there were flyers, but those weren't going out to the customer who was going to play. Those were going out to the arcade owners who would, right. you know, hopefully be convinced to purchase the machine for their arcade. Big- so right. player yeah. really there is like nothing else you have other than the way that your machine looks so hiring somebody right. to make it look really really cool and be right. like a unique arcade cabinet like we're talking about in this episode you know i mean like it's it's all you had and if you yep. if you yep. faded away into the background into the sea of all the rest then you might not get that quarter you yep. know right exactly totally right nice very cool all right, moving on. Actually, I read very quickly. I do want to mention that uh, there were a couple other games that you know following this that kind of took that that concept. Uh, there was a game made by Midway in 1976 called Sea Wolf, which uses that periscope thing. And it's more of like a you know monitor-driven video game where you see graphics on a on a monitor. Still pretty rudimentary, but it's still the 70s, but more so than um, Periscope was. And a uh, Subrock yeah. 3D. Which uh, was a pretty neat game. I would again these I've seen Seawolf, but I've never seen Subrock 3D in the wild, so I can't really tell you how that plays. But they did make a port of that for the ColecoVision, but obviously they c- couldn't do nearly as many bells and whistles with you know, a home console, especially in like the early '80s. Right. And then Subrock 3D, I believe, came out in '83, somewhere around there, 80, 83, 84 ish, 82 actually, 1982. I got the year in front of me, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that, that niche, you know, would. Uh, you know, would come come back every once in a while, and actually, uh, Subrock 3D was also developed by Sega, so they kind of kind of try to re retap that market, I guess. Yeah, that's nice. cool. Anyway, th- that, that's that's what I got. Nice, very nice. All right, eight bit alchemy. Hey, what's going on? Oh, hi, guy. So, oh, hi, guy. So, I have a game that's a little bit uh, newer, although, holy crap, I cannot believe how old this newer arcade game is in my brain it feels brand new uh holy shit uh so this game is called jumbo with an exclamation mark safari jumbo safari developed by sega first released in 1999 yeah man Uh, holy fuck that feels like that game came out in like 2009 2010 um so Jumbo Safari was a game that I I don't remember where I first played it, but I do have definite, distinct memory of playing it at a zoo, actually, near us. uh, It makes sense. Massachusetts. I know. It does make (laughs) sense, but what's funny is that zoos, like, never had arcade games, so this just was a perfect theme, so they went with it. Uh, But this was a Sega game, and what was so cool about it was you, you know, it was a sit-down, you know, uh, driving kind of game and you would drive around a safari jeep uh and then the the gimmick was you had a certain amount of time 
that you had to like, you know, lasso or wrangle up as many uh, different safari animals as you could. Uh, and you'd, you know, get more points and more time for every animal that you captured. So it was kind of like crazy taxi if you played crazy mm -hmm. taxi at all. Right. So like, you know, the more animals you get, the more you got to play. And uh, I just remember the first time playing this and um, parasite Steve was, was definitely with me uh, that it was just such a eye catching like cool one of a kind game as far as theme goes and you know the game itself is definitely like it it stands out because it's one of those sit down games it had, you know a lot of the cabinets have like the zebra stripes all over it and yeah. the zebra stripe chair and stuff like that but the other aspect of it that was so cool was not only did you have the normal you know gas pedal and brake pedal and the steering wheel but you also had like this almost like a shifter that you used to do the lassoing and so basically the way the game would work is like you would you'd be driving around and then once you saw something you wanted to capture, you'd pull back on the shifter and the character in game would start spinning around this, you know, lasso and it would, it would make a target appear on screen. Is this so lasso called the Jambo? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. I, I like that. You know what, Boss Rush, you can take credit for that. That, I, I that, that, okay. that you that just made. You. That one's you. That, That's, that piece of shit, that one's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> you can flush that whenever you want. Um, so you'd pull back on the, on the shifter, you'd start spinning, and then the, uh, an aimer would appear, and you'd have to you know, steer the Jeep just so, so that you would be, you know, locking onto the animal. And as you were locking on, the circle would be kind of closing in, closing in, closing in, and then it would, like, you know, turn red and flash rapidly, and you would throw the shifter forward, and your character would launch out this lasso, or it, maybe it wasn't a lasso, it was like a net gun or something like that, I don't know. But you, you would, you I would think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was like a net net that would shoot out and it would fire out the net and if you if you caught it it would you know stop the action for a second and show you what animal it was show the guy pulling the net off of them give you their name give you the points however you know whatever you got for it and then you'd keep going on your on your jumbo safari jumbo give you some nature facts about the animal like there's only 15 14 left in existence right uncomfortable <laughs> nature facts <laughs> 15, uh, 14. you just caught the 13th one in existence there's only 12 now uncomfortable, uncomfortable nature facts, nature facts. Favorite kind. yes uh, yes um and, uh, and so what's interesting about this game too is that it came out in the arcades in 1999 um so it was published by sega i'm sorry i misspoke earlier but it was developed by am2 am3 who i think a lot of people maybe know from like daytona usa or virtual fighter yeah um, so do uh, outrun I yeah. want to say they did, yes. Because uh, yeah, um, so, yeah. their logo is like, feels very outrun. It's got the palm tree and everything. So yeah, I, th yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, it was ported 10 years later. Uh, <laughs> as far as I can tell, only in North America. Oh. And it was ported to the Wii and the Nintendo DS. Huh. Um, and I remember saying to Steve... I was like, holy shit, if there was one arcade game that I could have, I want it to be Jumbo Safari. Jumbo Safari. <laughs> and then, which is like ridiculous to think now because it's like, oh man, animals are so cool, but the graphics suck. Like, they're, like they're, they look cool in motion. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a really yeah. fast moving game. Like it's 60 frames a second. It looks great. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, playing it on the Wii, I remember buying it and being so excited. And honest to God, I think I only played it like once. And I was like, <laughs> cool, I have this. Yay. And then never touched it again. Um, <laughs> Because really, the fun of it was the arcade of using the actual controls, and you know, it just felt right. so much, so much more to it. Um, yeah. 
Right. But uh, apparently the DS version actually like focuses a little bit more on teaching uh, about the animals. Like there's, so there's, there's a little bit more work they put into that for the edutainment side of things, uh, which is more, more uncomfortable, neat. more uncomfortable nature. Right. In, in All the version. uncomfortable nature. <laughs> All right. Facts, how yeah. much giraffe dung is there <laughs> in like one day? How, uh, how many gallons of afterbirth are we talking here? Come you, uh, just, just lay man. it on me quick. Just rip it off you, fast. Like I really stick in your neck out for that joke. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, so I'm going to run down the list of animals that are in there and then I will be done talking about Jamba Safari. Uh, so you can catch an African elephant, an African wild dog, uh, an oryx, a black leopard, black rhinoceros, a brindled new that's g-n-u for all you wondering uh and a i cheetah. just have a wildebeest i just gotta i just gotta uh, there's a cheetah there's a baboon there's a zebra there's a heart beast which mm-hmm. sounds like an eldritch create eldritch creation they are weird looking too they, they are weird looking but they're uh they're just like a looking like a, for a heart beast <laughs> <laughs> You'd find one. You would find one. Um, there's an impala, a leopard, a lion, a mandrel, an okapi. Steve loves mm. okapis. I do. He does. Uh, I like there's the original. Ostr- the original. There's an ostrich. There's a giraffe. There's an antelope. There's a hyena. There's a gazelle. And there's a rhinoceros, uh, a white rhinoceros. So there is mm. actually no wildebeest. Son of a gun. Hmm. Well, it's just another third. It's just another He's one for a cram packed with wildlife, though. Yes, it is. It is jam cracked. A wildebeest in the new are the same thing. Just saying. Oh, that's why I said uh, it. You're anyway. smart. You're a smart fine. guy. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, that is Jumbo Safari. It's really fun, and God, no, I, I can't imagine you'd find one of these arcades in the wild these days, uh, which is a bummer because that's totally the way to play it. And you know, if if I had, oh, let's just do a real quick price check. Holy shit! Actually, I can buy one for only a thousand dollars. Uh, you, you should you the, should the sit down one or like the the, the sit down one? one. It's got free shipping. Oh my god! I know what Holy I'm using shit. my uh my stimulus, stimulus check, check on. Fuck yeah! <laughs> a used jumbo. How the fuck would I they ship put that this to in my me? bathroom? <laughs> I don't need a toilet. I just need a jumbo. I'll just replace the seat with the toilet. I'll just play when I'm taking a shit. <laughs> oh my god! That's a really good idea. I'm gonna do that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's Jumbo. All right, very good. That's yeah, actually, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's pretty All right, cool. Parasite Steven. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I have uh, two for this episode. Um, my first is going to be a little game that came out in uh, 2010, and that uh, that is developed by and published by Bandai Namco, and it is Dead Storm Pirates. <laughs> Yar. Yar. Tis a swashbuckling good oh, time. Oh, tis a pirate-themed light gun game from Namco. Play as two pirates named Eric and Lee, part of a crew <laughs> that's looking for a treasure known as Poseidon's Breath, you know. Yar. That's hard to find. That's, that's sort of abstract. Yar. Poseidon's breath is hard to hold. Yeah, it is. Uh, it ends up being is it like, like a. Baby's it, it, it's just a necklace. It's not even that impressive. Uh, but hey, uh, so yeah, it is. It is a on rail shooter light gun game, um, like House of the Dead and so many others. Um, 
you know, Nam- Namco kind of became that, that, that became like one of their bags, I think. In yeah. The late nineties, yeah. early two thousands. Yep. And then this was 2010, which was late as shit. Like there, I hadn't seen a new light gun game like that interested me or at all in so long. It felt like a dying genre, you know, cause they're so expensive right. to make them sure. Yeah. They're, and they're, yeah. they're expensive and they take up a lot of space in the right. arcades. Like Greg was saying with Periscope, I mean that same deal. I mean, a lot of these had sit down cabinets. Uh, this one did actually it, talk about eye catching though. There are various versions of this. Some of them uh, are like a stand up sort of a, like you're, up at the control panel and then the, the screen console is actually separate, but it's like, it's kind of, you know, all together ish or whatever, but you're just standing up. Then there's the, uh, the version I saw first, which um, is a sit down that it always makes me think of the uh, Jurassic park light gun game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it has the, uh, the little window in the back that other people can watch. Uh, some call it the perv window. Some say it's where you take the best <laughs> girl. I don't know about that, but and by some we mean Steve. I wouldn't know, <laughs> but um, I'm just saying it's that sort of a configuration. But yeah, there are even a few different cabinets of of that style. Some of them are real. I mean, they're all fucking great looking. They all look really, really cool. But some of them have more um, uh, detailed, like actual sculpted molding than others and uh it actually there is like part of a ship like the back of the ship is is there and it just looks awesome the logo is insane dead storm pirates got a big it's i mean it's got like cross flintlock pistols and you know a a skeleton pirate with a tricorn hat i mean it's a really really cool very eye-catching thing so anyway um what made so i think that overall it stood out in a crowd even in the sea of light gun games even in the sea of sit down light gun games with perv windows for your third best girl even in a sea of those which of course there's it's never going to be a c because you can't really fit or justify that much floor space to to these things but it does stand out like the molding of the outside of the thing looked just insane yeah also the way that the so if you get a so that's just from far away. You get up close, and one of the cool things I thought about this game that, um, yes, it's a gimmick, but it's also uh, it's also unique, and I liked it. Uh, there is um, there's room for two people to play, uh, but there is a central um, ship's wheel. It looks like a steering wheel, like a helm. Um, that's it's it's just in the middle between the two guns, and. Um, the deal is that it's it's just this little extra mechanic they worked in. Just like I said, it is gimmicky, but it's basically used to select uh, levels. It's used to select action sequences. They will give you choices throughout the level. So you're you know you're always moving. It's an on rail shooter, but usually you are in in on rail shooters. Usually you're you're walking, and in this the idea is that you are always on water. So you might not always be out in the open sea. Sometimes you're on a river or something like that, but you're always on a boat of some kind. Right. So there are various choices. Usually there's like three or so, uh, maybe maybe only two per level, where you can actually choose to go left or right and will actually take you to a different part of the level. So the fact that there is any replayability at all to this yeah. makes it stand out, I think. And yeah, the there's not, not a lot of games did that. You know? Right. Not House like of the God. Dead. House yeah. of the Dead is one of the only ones I remember. House of the Dead 2, at least. But yeah, yeah it, it's a rare feature. So that's yeah, really it's, great. It was fun, you know? And it felt like you were actually steering to go that direction instead of just shooting in that direction, selecting. Yes. Yep. It was fun. And also, it's used for quick time events, uh, yep. such as, like, there's times when you are actually, like, you're going down a fast 
part like and there's like something like rapids or something like that and there's you know rocks on either side and you got to kind of dodge around the rocks and stuff just you know again gimmicky not a huge deal but it does break up the action and you know it is it is a it's fun it's you know it's i enjoy it um but the thing is that there's only one of these these wheels it's central on the machine shared by the two players because after all you are in the same boat (laughs) (laughs) they're like no we got uh we got the kids uh wheel over there you got the little button on the side it beeps the horn you know, all right, it all right. Do no, it doesn't do nothing, but <laughs> fine. All right, I stole that joke from a Kotaku article. Okay, you happy boss rush. <laughs> all right, whatever. It's not my conscience. It's a good joke. <laughs> right, um, it's not my conscience. Exactly. But, uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So you could say like either one person, you know, is just in charge of the wheel, or you switch off every level, or whatever. It's not that big a deal, but it, it's fun. So, um, it's not that big a wheel, not that big a wheel either. It's actually pretty small, but, um, that's okay. Turns out. <laughs> Turn. <laughs> um, so jokes are funnier when there's an awkward pause. There, there you have it. That's how my stand up always goes. Um, there is another, uh, cooperative sort of thing that I really like about this game. And I don't understand why more games didn't do, um, there was a cooperation bonus for if you guys were both shooting at the same target. Yeah. I loved this feature. Mm, yeah. And it so, was, they turned it into almost like this faux, like matchmaker thing. Like what's your compatibility? There was like a, there's like a heart rating at the end of the level. You know how much you guys to see uh, how much you guys actually teamed up because right. you know it. There were there were some. I mean, some bosses were like took so long to kill and had so many stages to them. It's like right. it's my final form. It's it's usually it's always the same form, but I mean they were always fought over a very long period of time. And oh yeah, the bosses in this game are absolutely awesome. They're usually giant versions of uh, animals. Of there's like a big anaconda you fight. And uh, there's this giant crab, and the crab boss is so yes. fucking awesome. Man. <laughs> I and always remember this crab. Yeah. Crab is the crab is just awesome. Uh, much less nice than the one in Little Samson, by the way. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> this thing is so big, and it's you're kind of in this. Uh, you're on a river, and you're down in this ca- uh, canyon, sort of a river. Uh, where you fight it and it just comes like climbing over the canyon walls and it's the canyon so tight and the thing is so big it can actually like walk towards you like with its legs on the sides of the sheer sides of the canyon walls and it's so badass the thing comes close to you and you're you you, then you have to shoot at the individual legs and weaken them and then it kind of falls down on one side and then then it goes far away and you kind of got to shoot it from there and it'll come at you from the other side and you have to shoot the other legs and then there's a thing like you got to shoot the claws the front claws it's a really fun uh, boss battle and yeah. it is also indicative of the types of boss battles and just how frigging epic in scope they really are um another one is uh is you do you do fight uh kraken boss and you get skunky drunk just totally <laughs> just 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 dirty i forgot you know, about dr- the drunk thing yeah you know just all that kraken you know, you oh, that! Oh, so there is no. You're, you're joking. Okay, this is a, this um, is me joking. So there is a giant cracking. <laughs> These are the jokes, people. This is a, this, here, here, there. <laughs> here they um, are. Who's easily one of the most badass cephalopods in all of gaming? I'm just gonna say it right now. Like, oh, so oh shit. Force. First of all, you fight the tentacles. They're coming up on the ship, and you're shooting those. And then eventually, the thing is like in the center of a, a giant like whirlpool. And then finally, it looks like the ship's gonna tip over. 
and you're able to actually see kind of down at the water and you see this thing just rising up and it's got like way too many eyes and it's just so evil and badass and oh my god i love it so friggin much so this kraken boss is just amazing and then the end uh the end boss is a giant is the uh and not a giant he's a undead like pirate captain guy and what he does he actually swallows poseidon's breath he swallows the jewel and it's like he's just basically without any dialogue he's just like come on come get it um it's pretty cool but anyway come get some that's uh that's about it um the game was ported to the ps3 in the very worthwhile collection time crisis raising storm which also included the games raising storm and time crisis 4 i really enjoyed this collection quite a bit um uh one of you guys gave it to me was it yes that was me Oh, that was you. Okay. I, I liked it a lot. It was really, really fun game. Um, and, and it's funny looking up the other games in this. Uh, Time Crisis, I've just never been a huge fan of. And I still yeah. didn't love Time Crisis 4. Yeah, I never got play. into like the, the cover shooting mechanic. Yeah, it yeah. was my least favorite of the three in this. Uh, Raising Storm, I, I liked quite a bit. and I don't even remember this one. Yeah, it, it, it was not well received. People didn't like it. It was more like... It was trying to make you feel like it was more like a regular game instead of starting over every time. Like there were chapters you'd get to and there were a lot of different save points and stuff. And um, I think you could actually start where you left off. So it, it uh-huh. wasn't your typical like on game. And I remember really enjoying it. I don't think I that's played neat. through it, but um, I'm, I mean, I did mostly play Dead Storm and that's obviously what I was most excited for. But um, it was a fun port. Um, nice. I, I really, really enjoy this game. So anyway, if you like light gun games um, and you ever happen to see this giant pirate ship out in the wild, definitely walk over and check it out. Very fun game. And on the PS3, it's, it's compatible with the move. So you can use the move. Ocean yes. yep. That's the right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. That Which was, makes that it was, like extra fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was a really fun game. Yeah. It I like to, I, I have a, I have a cup of myself. It's actually right in front of me. So nice. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoy it too. Like it likes the, like Steve said, I, I liked Time Crisis for the least of the three, and mm-hmm. the other two I thought were pretty fun. I don't remember going through completely through any of the games in particular, but I, I do remember playing a good chunk of you know, Raising Storm and, and Dreadstorm, so it was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was definitely cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice, yeah. Good very, stuff. very nice. Very nice. All right, so I guess I'll go next. Oh, good. Oh, um, go for it. I'll, I'll just go. I'm, I'm just going to go for it, guys. So I only have one left. Um, I think you guys might have all more than me. I don't know if you guys want to go a couple times. Yeah, just sure. Saying. I just have one. Sure. I mean, I don't have to do like three. So I can no, do go like for it, man. Two. It's your episode. I'm just saying I have, I have one left and, you know. Fine. Want to go a couple times? Feel free. Boo. Boo. All right. So my next pick would be Time Traveler, which is a hologram, holographic arcade Hmm. and it's the first of its kind and it was released by sega and uh, we have like a lot of sega games in this episode sega is one of the arcade kings man holy crap absolutely like holy crap so i remember seeing this game at some uh some amusement park like maybe canby lake park or bush gardens or or riverside before it turned into uh six flags it looks uh, like a washing machine. I was that yes, I was going to say it looked like one <laughs> weird looking washing machine. <laughs> That's like, like the best way to describe it. Like yeah, man. Like, I don't 
it, yeah, it actually, doesn't look like a game. Like it looks like you'd walk past it and be like, "Oh, I don't know." Like that's right, right. That's like a it's I a mean, machine for I remember, facilities. I remember like like watching like the the whole demo tech of it, and uh, I thought it was really interesting because it really did look like it was three D. It's like they used like you know people and they used kind of like with Mortal, Mortal Kombat, but like I don't know. It's like the way how they did it was really really unique hmm. and they they used um th- there's there's no like like art or anything except for like maybe like the the the, the banner on top but there's no like art on the cabinet yeah itself. yeah really really weird um so they use like some kind of a concave mirror to cause that holographic effect okay and uh it's also uh a laser disc which oh. makes sense I, oh, that's. I, I mean, funny. back then I had no idea, right? So I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, it's a game that I never played because I uh, I was so confused by like how how can you control like actual people? Like I just thought that was kind of, like, really weird. My my ten year old mind. Like, that like, seems illegal. The fuck is this? The fuck but, is um, this? <laughs> the fuck is this? But anyways, it, it plays like um, uh, Dragon Lair. Oh, weird. That, that that arcade where like it's like all like time yeah. movement and yeah, it's exactly like that. It's not a fighting game. It's not a fighting game. Is you just push up, down, left, or right to like deal with whatever thing is attacking yes. you from that direction? Because right. it looks like a fighting game. No, yeah. no, but there watching is a- the gameplay. Yeah, it just looks like the the video responds to like the direction you push whenever you hit it. Yeah, huh. yeah, but there there is a fighting game that's like this called. Uh, uh, Holoseum. Okay. Holoseum. Holoseum. Where it's like it's like um, it's the same technology, but except they use sprites, and it's really really weird. It's really bizarre, huh. but um, yeah, Time Traveler. It has a home port which came out in two thousand and one. It's just a washing machine. It's just a washing machine. <laughs> this on your washing machine. The home port doesn't actually have the game. It just does your clothes. Right. I mean, it doesn't have like the. It doesn't have like cold, warm, or hot water. It has like. Do you want concave? Do you want? Uh, hey, graphics. 60, do you want sixty bucks for a washing machine? That's not too bad. <laughs> that's not too bad. <laughs> that's not <laughs> good. You know that that's that's even good. That is yeah. good. I'm yeah. gonna go on a limb here and say it's like it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Better than average. It's out, it's out on a PC, CD-ROM, and just a standard DVD format, which I think is kind of neat that they're able to make a home port. And that came out like 10 years after the initial arcade yeah. release, which was 1991. So neat. Yeah. Really, really cool. Huh. So Very yeah, that's cool. It. That's, it. that's it for me. I've never seen one of these in the wild ever. Yeah. I've never even heard of it's, it. It's it's very yeah. Very, neither have I. Very unique. I'm old as crap. No, I'm not Periscope old, but I'm still pretty old. <laughs> you know, dirt? I'm Periscope old. You know, dirt. <laughs> have you heard, have you seen dirt? Yeah. Oh, dirt's older than Greg, but like not by much. dirt by like a month or something. I All may right. not be as old as dirt, but I mean, I won't say I'm solely responsible. But I had a pretty a pretty big hand in inventing mud. Because <laughs> I took dirt and I just pissed on it. <laughs> Wait, you were there? Yeah, man. I was. Yeah, that, I was, that, I I was born on Periscope. As, wasn't uh, I think that counts as an uncomfortable nature fact. Uncomfortable, Indeed, yes. Nature fact. 
Little did you know, our ba- we'll have two beta segments this week. What? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, let's go with Boss Rush Mary. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to... This is a guy be a... Firing off a few games, actually. Uh, mainly a series and a, and a spin-off. I'm going to start off with the uh, Nintendo produced and released Punch-Out! arcade game. Cool. It was released in 1994 in North America. And uh, this game is pretty unique because of its, uh, it w- uses two monitors, you know, stacked uh, vertically. And uh, the bottom one would be where all the action happens. And you have, um, you know, the bo- it's, a, it's a boxing game. And uh, you fight all these weird cartoony opponents. And uh, the thing about your character, he's like this weird like grid guy. So he's like you can see through him, so you can see what the other boxer is doing. So mm-hmm. they figured that's that was just the way to go, and it gives it a nice unique presence. Mm-hmm. Oh, b- besides the dual monitor thing, and uh, the right. top monitor basically has like you know stats, your score, and you know just yeah, yeah, yeah. information. But the the whole um, impetus for having the, the two uh, monitors. It was at the time, a couple of years before, like in the early 80s, number one and number two in the arcades were like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. And obviously Nintendo was developing Donkey Kong. And they just had a freaking shitload of excess monitors that they kind of wanted to kind of use and get rid of and like lighten their inventory. Reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, you got yeah. it. That's, that's honestly cool that, that's, that, yeah. that was their approach to it. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they ended up, you know, creating, you know, punch out, you know, f- you know with, that, with that in mind. And uh, that would, you know, for the following year, you'd have, uh, you know, Super Punch-Out, which is the direct sequel. And the thing with these games, um, the way they control them, I mean, you had like a, like a, you know, a joystick, a four-direction joystick, uh, two buttons, one for the left punch, one for right punch, and then this big, huge button, like a, like a dome button, which would be like your uppercut or hook whenever you'd fill up like a, a power meter up high enough when you land enough consecutive punches and all that stuff, and it would give you a nice... Nice big strong you know punch to work with, and see if you can strategically land a few extra strong blows on your opponent to win and stuff. And uh, Super Punch Out is basically the same thing, except they added a duck mechanic. But you, if if you pull the joystick, Quack. yeah, you pull it, pull the joystick like straight up, like you know, like from like like the face of like the panel, like just straight up towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like you're trying to pull it out of the goddamn machine. Actually, <laughs> you would actually perform a duck maneuver, and that was pretty necessary with some of the these weird ass moves that some of these boxers would throw at you. Like, you know, one of them would try to kick you, like literally jump off the ropes and like try to like swing kick you with their, you know, whatever. And it's like, what the fuck's going on here? Another one would like, you know, just like bear hugger, Canadian bear hugger, the first opponent in Super Punch. Bear hugger. We'll try to whale whale you with uh, both his fists at the same time. And, uh, no, it was just, it's just both of them. Both. <laughs> both of them. It's, it's just goofy. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And um. Uh, but yeah, like the mechanics were pretty much the same. And actually, um, a lot of the Punch Out games were like converted to Super Punch Out because I guess you know a, a lot of times back in the uh, back in those days where you didn't necessarily have to buy a whole new cabinet. You would just buy like different like boards and stuff, and maybe just, just some new art to slap over it or whatever, and. You can just convert a you know an existing game into something else. Also, really cool that that was right. it was like yeah. really a lot of forward engineering for them to go. Okay, yeah. you know the next game we make will still run on the same chipset, so we can just have this as an option for people who already own the first one. Right. And yeah. Then, I mean, after those always had the really large sprites. Yes. Yeah. The graphics are great. So 
fluidly. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Even the wireframe uh, character is like really neat to see. Like he's yeah, not much so for different. detail, but it's very cool looking. Right. I think part part of the technology they were developing at the time was like they were trying to like get objects to like zoom in and out. So they kind of incorporated that in like with the the opponent fighters. You know, you like Super Macho Man would zoom in and out when he does his stupid big punch and uh, for Super yeah. Punch Out or in regular Punch Out, you have Bald Bull would back way up to do his bull charge and shit like that. So that, that was like new technology they were kind of like feeling out at the time, just trying to experiment with it, see if they, uh, they could get it incorporated into something fun, which I think they succeeded. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what yeah, else was I going to say? One of the one of the all time arcade greats, and definitely a game that you when you're playing that in the arcade, like you you will amass a crowd of people if you yeah. if you're doing really well. Like it's one of those games, which is yeah. pretty awesome too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. actually, um, it's a little side note for uh, Punch Out. It was actually the uh, the first um, music credit for Koji Kondo, who is obviously like known for his work with Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda. Huh. So that was his first with with Nintendo. That was his first composition credit. Oh wow! wow that's that, awesome. That, that, that was pretty neat. That is neat. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then, um, see, after Super Puncho, which uh, I think I mentioned was like the year after, so it was like in 1985 in North America. Uh, after that, which was probably a year after that, I want to say maybe 1987. They did a spin-off game called Arm Wrestling. And uh, I also incorporated the dual monitors. Same thing like the top one had more like, you know, weird, you know, match stats and the bottom was where the action was going on. But it was obviously not boxing, it was arm wrestling. And you know, the graphics were similar. I thought they were like worse personally. I mean, I never played I've, I've seen the game in the wild, but I've never played some like what the F. It, it just looked weird. And it's not like um there are other games out there like Arm Champs 2, which actually has an arm that extends that you can grab onto and actually do like legitimate arm wrestling. This one still had like the controller and the buttons, and you just have to like time back and forth movements and counterattacks with actions that are going on on the screen. And of course, Nintendo, being Nintendo, all the characters are all like wicked cartoonish and goofy. Like there's one, um, you, there's a character called Kabuki who's like a giant sumo wrestler. The first guy is called, I think, Texas Mac, who's just a stereotypical, you know, Texas, you know, Texas hat wearing, cowboy hat wearing, you know, cowboy or whatever. Texas Chainsaw um, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> there's one where it's like there's a, a robot monkey that's being controlled by a little girl on the side of the screen. Like Blah. Abby and Blah. Abby and Ink Three. Bizarre as fuck. And then there's like a, a one called Frank Jr., who is clearly Frankenstein, like purple Frankenstein. And uh, the one that I kind of, you know, kind of ties it together with the uh, with Punch Out and Super Punch Out is the third um, arm wrestler you you face is called uh, Mask X, who actually is bald bull wearing a mask. <laughs> From that's, that's, that's fun. that's really fun. That's goofy and fun. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty sure that didn't do nearly as well as Punch Out or Super Punch Out. <laughs> I don't think right, I've right. seen one of these uh, in an arcade. Uh, but I did learn about it because of uh, years of years ago because of MAME emulation, yeah. and yeah. I remember learning about the game then and seeing the bald bull was in it and and that it was like I thought I mean I was like my mind was blown I'm like what there's a spinoff that's like yeah. so cool we can yeah, it, it is wild but right. yeah I don't think I've ever actually seen one in life in uh, out in the wild though unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I have like a couple times, but I like I said, I, I didn't bother playing it because I'm like, nah, no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. 
I'm all set. All set. All right. So moving on. April Okamay. Hey, what's up? Oh, hi. How you doing? Oh, hi. So I'm going to talk about a game that I first saw at uh, Free Play, which is a great barcade in Providence, Rhode Island. Definitely. And uh, this game is called The Discs of Tron, Mm. which I'm sure we've all heard of, as Tron was a pretty big name, and The Discs of Tron was like, you know, one of the main sports in that movie. And discs um, the, are you know, fairly well known. Right. We all know a lot of thing or two about discs, both big and small. Um, <laughs> hey, what are we talking about? Uh, so uh, the game came kids. out. Just talk about discs. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. We Shut, your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, so it came out in 1983. It was developed by Bali Midway at the same time that Paul Niemeyer was actually there which is interesting because ah. he was there from 82 to 84. Um, not to keep bringing it back to Paul, but just, just throwing it out there. Um, yep. So the thing with Discs of Tron uh, was it was, it, it came in two different, you know, arcade cabinet styles. So yes. there was the, yeah. you know, the typical, you know, walk-up cabinet thing, just kind of like a Pac-Man sort of deal. Um, but then there was a more hard to find version which was the environmental cabinet um and this cabinet was what they had at free play now i had never played this game before so my first experience with the game was this environmental cabinet and essentially what it is is you know you have the basic you know structure of the normal arcade except it builds this huge extra chamber that completely encompasses you standing there and you know um i think it actually like blocks just about all the light coming in from either side so you're like fully immersed and honestly it added so much to the game like i i walked up to this machine thinking not much of it and when i actually got in there and started playing it i'm like wow this is so unique and so cool and the reason for it is because the way that the screen is built it almost feels like you're looking into like a three-dimensional diorama because basically you know the the game gameplay is you know you're you're standing behind your character who's standing on these two different pink platforms and uh on the far side of this you know wait are those the are those the discs those are some those are some of the many discs of tron oh my god it's like a variety you there is you also throw discs but uh oh my god so you have your i know there's too many discs guys but you know we'll get to them all there's uh so yeah you your 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 guy is close to the field and then you have like this three dimensional effect which makes the enemy appear small and farther away, uh and the way that you control the game is so incredibly weird it it honestly is just a one of a kind thing that uh, to play and it it feels like it would be terribly awkward but you honestly get good at it and there's there's a control. There's basically one joystick that moves around your character and uh, allows you to jump. And then there is a second joystick, which has like a a ring on it, like a a 360 degree turning ring that you're able to move to adjust where you want your character to throw. So you're able to move your character's position all around the screen independently of where you're going to actually be throwing your frisbee you know your disc of tron uh and it works so well like it takes a second to get used to it but honestly it's really 
really cool. And the environmental cabinet of it just sort of immerses you that much more. It feels like there's multiple screens where you have one on the far side and then two that are the wall. So that way, when, you know, when it bounces off the wall and you're ricocheting a shot, it actually looks like it's traveling in three-dimensional space. Just the way that the screen right. is built. It is honestly, it's hard to describe. I looked up a, a couple of videos online and even those don't quite do it justice. It's one of those things that like, you just sort of need to see the arcade machine uh, in person to get the full effect of it. But you know, that being said, I still think it was a really standout game and I, I found myself playing it for, you know, like, half an hour or more just trying to get good at it um so i i thought that was really a lot of fun and apparently it was ported later to the xbox 360 the xbox live arcade um got a version of this game which i had no idea that's pretty cool i don't imagine it would capture the magic quite as well um but yeah i mean that that's kind of all i want to say about it i definitely would say look it up um, and, and check out some gameplay to kind of get an idea for it. Try and find a video of somebody playing it, if possible, just to get an idea of how it all fits together. But yeah, very cool arcade cabinet. Nice. Uh, this is a, it's funny. This is another game that I was familiar with from Mame, uh, and I had not seen in the wild until that night at free play. Yeah, I had never seen it, uh, and I thought it was actually a fun game on Mame, just even playing it outside of the environment. Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly can't remember if I tried it that night. I know you were talking about it and I it, did watch you play. It's sort of, it's like when I sat down and I was, I was going to play it, it was surreal. It was like, you know, uh, there's like a few of those vector based games that you yeah. find, you know, those yes. kind of things where it's like, wow, these graphics are so striking. Like they don't do it justice just to see it on, you know, an emulator or whatever, because the hardware is what makes it look that way. And, you know, the actual platforms that your characters are standing on and everything, the way that the environmental cabinet is, it truly looks like there was something floating there. Like I, I was looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is really feels like you know a hologram kind of thing not not exactly like holiseum um you know uh what was the other one you mentioned joe what was the first one the washing machine one. Oh, the uh time traveler time traveler, time traveler. Yeah. right yeah. not quite like that but yeah it felt like a hologram like it felt like the graphics were floating right in front of me it's super cool i i that's all i got to say but yeah very neat nice cool very, very nice. The discs of Tron. The discs of Oh my god, you guys. There's so many friggin' discs up in here. How many? I don't even know. Oh, so many discs to the face. God. Oh my god. You guys. I got. The whole point of the game is to slap the enemy with. Son of a bitch. Big neon disc. <laughs> I did it again, you guys. I'm trapped now. I'm now. I'm just trapped in Michael Raven Shadow's voice. I don't know. I don't even know how to get out of it. Uh, oh, God damn it! Oh, son of a bitch! All son right, of well, a biscuit! Well, we'll, we'll just see if uh, we'll just see what happens. You know, Bobaleo. Wah bobaloobah balat bamboo. Yeah, you know. All right, who's next? Who? All right, all right. Parasite Steve. Oh, son of a bitch! Parasite Steve left the freaking building. Oh yeah. Oh, son of a gun. I guess I got to do this, Michael. How many discs right. do I have to slap to get Parasite Steve on the show? <laughs> <laughs> Parasite Wolf and Shadow. <laughs> or, okay, so um, uh, my my next uh, choice, my last choice, is a game that uh, is near and dear to my heart. Um, like 
many games, including Dead Storm Pirates. There were various versions of the arcade cabinet itself. I will be speaking about one of those in particular, but the game is X-Men, published by Konami, X-Men 92. Uh, there are a few times that my little kid mind was as blown as it was when I walked into the arcade at the Greendale Mall in Worcester, oh, Massachusetts. Man. That yes. mall is like yes. decommissioned now. Like every store is closing. It's so sad. Uh, back in the day, yeah. they had a, a pretty slamming arcade, or uh, as the kids <laughs> say, it's a, it's straight uh, a fire emoji. Uh, that's what the kids say. <laughs> right. and, um, 100, 100, that is 100. true. That is true. A kid said that to me today. Uh, yes. And yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah actually, this was the first time I ever saw numerous arcades that I loved, um, having no way of knowing that they were coming out. It's not yeah, like, you know, right. new. Uh, I also, it was the first time I saw uh, Captain America and the Avengers as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But X Men was there, and I, I literally could not believe what I was looking at. I loved the X Men so much and i just was not at all ready for this so awesome game very fun beat em up definitely a classic i think most people know but i want to talk about the six player version of the game which was definitely less common um very very large cabinet um it was uh three feet i think it's about three feet wide like big plenty of plenty of room for elbows and whatnot um so basically, it's not that long, is it? I think I feel like it's got to be longer than that. Uh, well, I looked it up, and uh, people oh, really? had different measurements, and it huh. was about thirty. I don't know. Some people said about three feet. Some people said like thirty-four inches. So, I don't know. huh? I like it's about three. Okay, feet long, okay. But it's pretty long. Um, it has uh, basically. So there are six playable characters. Uh, the X-Men characters, uh, Cyclops, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, uh, Dazzler, and my boy Nightcrawler. Dazzler, um, who is Justin Cooper's favorite. Yes, we will get to that in a minute. So um, we have um, we have six we? characters. Yes, we will. And uh, they are all, all taken. Right. I, I thought this was uh, actually kind of fun. They were taken, and I didn't know this at the time, but from there was this like, I had it like, because I bought it at like Suncoast or whatever. There was a failed pilot to an X-Men cartoon show. It never got picked up. It was from 1989. It's called Pride of the X-Men. Which was awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it was really fun, it was neat. Yeah, it's a really fun... Uh, I loved it. You know, I loved it at the time, too. It, it's, it's technically got a lot of problems. The drawings are fantastic. Yeah, yes. they are. Yes. That's the best part about it. Yes. Um, the drawings are super fantastic. Also, that, that like in 20 minutes... That pilot episode was like a fucking ro- roller coaster. It was cheesy. Yeah. But oh, yeah, like, for sure. My God, they introduced Kitty Pride, who comes to the X-Men for the first yeah. time, and she's our, you know, we're seeing through her eyes, all this stuff. And then, like, we end up in space. It's like, yeah. what? Like, all right. in one episode, and it's this big thing, and they do this whole thing with Nightcrawler because she's afraid of him because he, he looks, you know, he looks so different and she's scared of him and he's like super nice. And, but you know, he feels bad. He's, he's got a sad, you know? And, uh, and then at the end, um, he almost dies <laughs> because he like, uh, you know, is like trying to, he has to stay there and I don't know, do something, complete a circuit with his body. I don't know. If I yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Something like, and he ends up like teleporting, but not far enough. And he's like out in space and he almost dies. So like, she's like, feels so bad because she almost, you know, she was so mean to him and, and then it ends up, he's fine. So they did all this stuff in like 20 minutes. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's fun. But, it was, you know, but there was one point sure. where it was like, um, they introduced Magneto and, um, 
you know, Kitty wants to help, and uh, Dr. X is like, no, he's way too dangerous, and like 30 seconds later, oh, uh, new recruit, uh, by the way, no, you're the only one who can save us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah. The whole mission relies on you. I just remember. Like, oh, never mind. I just remember Professor X, and he's like, the power, it hit me like a fist. <laughs> <laughs> like what's the strongest thing I can think of quick a punch a punch have you ever been punched by Colossus he's around a lot of mutants I'm sure their fists are a lot a lot more brutal <laughs> I guess that's, that's, that's a fair point I mean he a does. fist is a subjective thing it could be a juggernaut fist it could be a, a little it's down it could be it's Colossus. all relative it's all relative. relative. Maybe he got punched in the face by Colossus at some point. Who knows? Poss- exactly. Possible. Maybe. But this this uh, the episode, you know, it should also be said that uh, uh, Wolverine was Australian. Yeah, I was going to say like his voice <laughs> acting was pretty pretty bad. He was Australian. Like what? What? Yeah. He's supposed to be Canadian. Like he's like, oh, so he's just a kid. Arr! And they had him like growl <laughs> a couple times. But you know what? He had the brown costume, which which is uh, is my fave. So I, 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 I always, whenever I see drawings that are taken from Pride of the X-Men or from the arcade, I love it so much and I love the costumes. But anyway, so that's kind of where they got this style for all the characters and all the, all the playable characters were, were from, specifically from that, like that's why Dazzler's in it. She's such a, a weird choice, but oh, but they yeah. were looking at Pride of the X-Men. They happened to put her in that. Um, so anyway, so this six player uh, had, every character had their own station. So if you want it to be station, like, yeah, station. <laughs> so, if, so if you want it to be like Cyclops, you are screwed because you are literally not, not that anybody wants to be Cyclops, but like he's off on the, the far uh, left. Right against <laughs> <the> <laughs> he's, he's like against the screen because they're all orientated in different places on this huge right. cabinet. So like, you know, I don't know. It kind of stuck sucked it, unless you were like, you know, a fan of a couple of, like there were a couple prime spots. Nightcrawler's actually in one of the two prime spots, which just so happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Reno. that he's like the bottom right, but I think uh, uh, yeah, the elbow room. Too. Plenty elbow room over there yeah. on the bottom right there. Yeah, you know, each like, control uh, panel was dedicated to a specific character. Yeah, you know, I like to spread all my elbows sometimes. You know, like it's just like just like <laughs> something I like to do. I mean, like whatever. Didn't so, the uh, t- didn't one of the TMNT games also do that for like the four turtles? Yes. Yeah. They're all yeah. like that de- dedicated, yep. you know, panels for like yeah. Know, that, that was right pretty right common over. for arcades for like four players. Oh. Uh, I don't know if it was I, common. I, I think usually you just put in wherever and you could select your guy. But Maybe that was just a Konami thing. It definitely Maybe. it definitely happened. I wouldn't say yeah. it was common. I, I don't I don't think there were like the Simpsons or any of the I'm trying yeah, to the think Simpsons of like, was like that too. I don't think so. It? Yeah, I don't it was. So. Yeah. I'm pretty I positive. Just, I think you just put in wherever. Let's look it up. Let's look at okay, let's settle this argument. So I'm mean, <laughs> Google. We're see. fighting. Fight! We're going on the Google machine. Googletron. Googletron. I am the almighty and powerful Googletron, and I should answer (laughs) all your questions. (laughs) Uh, Joe Joe is right. Joe is right. For the price of your personal information. Yep, Joe's correct. Um, But anyway, so um, it was was like that. So uh, you had your different places, and it was just massively huge. So there were two different screens. 
And you could see that there were two different screens like smushed together because all those arcade games that we're mentioning, like none of them did this. It was just, it was always just one, one screen, whatever, no matter how many playable characters. And usually the playable characters, there was usually four. So this game did yeah. have the six. So they're like, all right, let's do a six player version. Six people could literally play at the same time. It's like insane. What the right. hell? I mean, at, at the time, we didn't, nuts. we've never seen anything what like the that. Shit? Right. So they, they're like, oh, well, let's make the screen bigger because there's too many, too many characters. And the, the graphics are actually pretty large. Big in time. This game. So like, it, it was really, really a cool thing. And I, I always sort of wondered how they were able to accomplish it because you can see that there are two screens. You could always see that there was a line in the middle, but they mm. really did almost line up. Like the two screens were meshed together. But when you went from one to the to, from the left to the right, you could kind of see there was like a little bit of a graphical glitch as you passed from one yeah. to the other. You could see it's like a little bit imperfect technology, but it was pretty cool. And uh, so I looked into this to see if I could find like how this was accomplished. And um, I couldn't find much information, but apparently it was, and I even read the instruction manual. I found there's a PDF to the instruction manual for the six player version for arcades to be able to assemble it. It doesn't even mention a second screen. I, oh. I, I literally don't understand, but um, mm. I found an article talking about it um, Actually, this was the Kotaku article written in uh, like tw 2012 or something like that. And they were talking about how the six-player X-Men was a, was a marvel. And, um, Get it. Oh, 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 and uh, apparently uh, the two <laughs> actually, uh, so there's two, two monitors. One was in the normal spot where monitors are. The other one was actually below it. It was under your feet. It was under the other one. And there was like um, a mirror. And it, ref or maybe there were two mirrors or something. I don't know, but somehow it was reflected up to be next to the other one. So apparently, according to what I read, one of the screens you're looking at, I assume the left one, is an actual monitor, and the other one you're looking at the reflection of a monitor. That's neat. So I don't know how the hell that works. And like I said, I did <laughs> try to even find in, in, in the instruction manual, it doesn't even freaking mention that there's two monitors. So I, I, don't, I don't know any more than that. But I thought it was pretty interesting. And apparently it's done with smoke and mirrors. I don't know what it is. But um, <laughs> pretty cool. Um, like the Symphony X song. Sure. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the six-player X-Men. Pretty cool. Cool. Uh, yes. Um, for our buddy Justin Cooper, I thought I would, uh, I would mention this. Uh, the, his, his one of his favorite X-Men characters is Dazzler. We were talking about it on the group and, um, and the fact that she's playable in this game. And I was like thinking, um, as I was looking this up, I was like, oh, well, you know, this has got to be the only time she's in a video game. Like, I don't know, like Dazzler is such a random character. Right. Mm. She's got her fans, but like, I don't know, is she, uh, is she in other games? So I, Probably I, a yeah, Lego no, game, right? No, no, no. She's in another one. Uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego and Dazzler? Oops. Oh, okay. Well, no, in the world is Carmen San Diego and Dazzler. Dazzler. Yeah, that oh, only yeah. came out on the Sega Pico in Japan. Oh, that's that's a deep. Yeah, it's like, I didn't, I didn't a weird game that, that I, I that I just made up and is not real at all. So. Gotcha. Um, well, <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, unlike the Sega Pico, which is a real system that nobody that knows. is a real thing, <laughs> even in Japan. 
Um, so unlike that, these are these are all uh, actual video game appearances from Dazzler. So aside from the arcade game, the Konami arcade, she was a playable character in two other games. She was uh, playable in the two early PC X-Men games by Paragon Software, oh. X-Men Madness and Murder World, and X-Men 2, The Fall of the Mutants. What kind of games are those? Uh, they are garbage Bad. games. <laughs> Kusoge, <laughs> Japanese word for shitty game. That's, I mean, probably not on purpose, but uh, you control Kusogame. like they're they're scrolling, but I don't know. They're 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 they look awful. I I've looked into them. There's a ton of characters you can be though. You can even be like Archangel with the wings and everything. And there's a ton of playable characters. But um, yeah, no, it it looks like a bad time. But it's it's like that. That's that thing. It's like those early. PC games or whatever. Uh, they didn't start in a good spot. They didn't start in, at, at, at the 8-bit NES. That's, that's for sure. Um, uh, so anyway, there's that. Uh, she also appears as an NPC in the PC version of... Only the PC version, apparently, of X-Men Legends 2 Rise of Apocalypse from Raven Software. Um, and Michael uh, Raven Software. Michael Raven Software. <laughs> uh, it was designed as an, she was designed as an <laughs> online exclusive. Uh, she had her own level in this version of the game, Dazzler's Nightclub. And it was a... Oh, mission, hell yeah. Yeah, mission that reenacts uh, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men number 130, where the X-Men must protect Dazzler from the Hellfire Club's guards. So that's pretty fun. Those Hellfire Club's guards are the ones that are in the, the Werewolf game. They me. are, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, Dazzler also had a cameo in Felicia's ending in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Fate of Two Worlds, where they perform in a live concert together Fuck. at the end. What? Yep. That's really neat. And she's in a game. Uh, it's called Stern Pinball Deadpool. That sounds like I just threw together. No idea what this is, but it is on the Stern way. Pinball. I think it's just the manufacturer. Okay, it's a Deadpool pinball game. I guess. Oh yeah, it must be like that. Yeah, I feel like there's that game that always adds more pinball to it. Oh no, that's Zen Pinball. Never mind. I don't know what's. Yeah, I don't. Is. I don't. I'm not sure. But that was on the list. So uh, those are those are for for Justin Cooper for uh, all the video game appearances of of your favorite character Dazzler. Coop, I don't know. If she's coop da whoop. Coop da whoop da whoop da whoop. I don't know I've if never, she's I've actually never known. I've never known anyone who's actually loved the Dazzler like someone who, as like it's their favorite. I mean, I don't know if she's truly his favorite, but she, you know, he, he, he does like her. Um, the funny thing is, and this was the conversation that we were having. It's like, you can like Dazzler all you want from the comics. Her costume mm-hmm. in this looks nothing like Dazzler, like at all. She's at all. just, she yeah. just looks like, you know, uh, like a member of Gem, right? I don't know. Well, it, yeah, the comic Dazzler does. Yeah. She looks more like a version. Yeah. Like she could be in Gem. She's got like crazy wild blonde hair. She's got like a wild locks of hair, face mask, paint. I don't know something. And um, and she she was basically created. I mean, she's a relic of the seventies. She was a disco character. But in the arcade game, she almost looks like a blonde jubilee. I mean, I guess she's just wearing a brown jacket. She has short blonde hair. She nothing looks, nothing about anything says Dazzler. And her only, the only thing that she even does that's even like super powered at all is her special attack where she just sort of drops this like pink ball of light on the ground and it just kind of explodes. 
It's like, what? I guess her power mm. is light, so she can like create all sorts of dazzling light shows just with her fingertips or something. Again, she's disco. So I don't know. Right. I guess she was liked by people at some, I don't know. She's, she's just one of those characters I never really read. I mainly knew about her from this and I just thought she looked kind of lame and didn't really do anything much. I remember in Pride of the X-Men, she, she had her, her hands, she put them together like a, like a gun and she would just like shoot out like rapid fire light. Pew, pew. <laughs> right. <laughs> or something. But I thought that uh, like this, this is one of the reasons why I think that uh, Cyclops is super lame in this game too is because yeah. he only uses his, his optic blast in his special attack. So really he's just a punching guy. And it's like yeah. right. he should be friggin' optic blasting everyone like at free random. Like yeah. nonstop optic blasts. Right. And that's what I do if I, I had on blast. Just like pew, pew, pew all the time. It's like when, you know, like there's nonstop NES, pew. It's like in the NES right. Wolverine <laughs> game. And they're like, no, no, you can't use his, his claws, though. Why? Did you think you were going to? You you're gonna have to. Right. You're gonna have to have that claw gauge. You you're know. Like, you, you think that? You, yeah. You know. You know all these comic book characters that you know and love and all their powers, but you can't use their powers. Right. You, you thought you were they're gonna play gonna Wolverine game and he was gonna have claws. What did you? Th what, what do you think this is? Like. No, uh, you got you to charge them up. They, 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 get, scared. It, they get scared. They get scared. Was, was it the Nintendo Wolverine game where like uses claws, but it like drains his health? I mean, yes. wait a minute. Isn't his yeah. thing a healing factor? Is, um, this makes right. zero sense. This zero is sense. the opposite of Wolverine. Zero right. sense. That game's garbage. I, I love that like back, back in the day to like his mutant power were his claws. Like, no, it was his healing abilities. <laughs> right. Like, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember asking as a kid, I was like, why does Wolverine have two powers? And Steve's like, well, small Tim. You stupid idiot. Well, yeah, and then they, then they bring <laughs> well, it and they're like, oh, no, actually, you <laughs> need to have claws. simpleton. Right, yeah, and then they backpedaled it, and they're like, well, he had bone claws. Yeah, yeah, he had claws the whole time. He just didn't know they were there. Until they were metal. Oh, retcons. Like, you're, yeah, you yeah, just, yeah. you're just making shit up now. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's X-Men by Konami. Originally came out in Konami. 1990. Hell yeah. Nice. So, so it's, it's, it's X-Men, not 10 men. It's six men. There are oh. ten men in the Actually, discs it's, of it's Tron. Four though. men and two women. Four, four, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's like X, X men? What, it's not even oh. half what I expected. Wait a minute, it used like, to be men. <laughs> like, what are they now, though? Like, what, what are they now? X men, ten men. Like, are, they like X, are they like X men? They're like former members of X men? Or maybe yeah, the two women were former men? X -Men? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Once upon. I mean, it's, it's possible, you know? I mean, it's, it's not That impossible. would have been very progressive uh, for Konami right. in 1992. Let me just tell that, you. That's, that's true. That's I true. mean, let me just tell you right now. That's true. Stanley in, uh, in uh, 1966. He was very progressive, that guy. All right, all right, Raven Shadow. <laughs> all right, all right. What's your shadow? One of you guys is, is one of you guys should just go. All right. All right. All right. This is actually kind of starting to hurt my voice right now. I don't know. <laughs> so how, how long? How long are we at right now? We're like we're well over an hour, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, we started around what seven o'clock? Seven twenty-six? Seven thirty-ish? Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're it's almost nine. -ish. Okay, so we should probably just make this quick. Sure. We can okay. do this. Make it quick. So, so make it so you, number one so do you guys are, are you like really like into talking about your next games or i have no more games so i'm all set i, I, I have, no I, have more games. 
I have a quick one, but I can pass on it. But I mean, you know, it's got a fun name. It's got two O's in it, like all successful major corporations. Well, what is okay. it? Yeah, tell us what it is. It's uh, it's called Tubin. T O O B I N. It's totally tubular. Was Ooh. the tagline? <laughs> uh, and this is another game I found at Free Play, and this was developed by Atari. And uh, this game has a unique-looking arcade cabinet, but it's, it's essentially just like a more extreme version of like a typical arcade cabinet, where the screen is like just really tall, uh, and it kind of has like a very wide. Um, you know, control field where you where you are able to you know hit the buttons and such. But basically, the way it works is uh, you're just this like radical dude, blonde hair and sunglasses, and you are in an inner tube, just tubing down a river, man, just just freaking tubing. Nice. And uh, what's neat about the game is it has uh, again kind of a unique control configuration where uh, there's there's actually five buttons uh for player one and player two that each correspond with like if you picture a five-sided star it corresponds to like a, a point on the inner tube and so whichever uh like side you hit your your character will like paddle his hands in that direction so you can kind of like you know hit one hand to just like turn left or just one to turn right almost like trying to steer a canoe and so if you want to go straight you have to hit both at the same time so that he paddles on you know, left and right sides of the inner tube to go forward. And you can also, um, like, paddle backwards, too. So it's, oh, you it's got a very... Paddle? You can back paddle, man. Nice. Uh, you, you don't have to. You, you, you can back can you, paddle. Can you doggy paddle, too? You, if, you, if your dog plays Ooh, it, hell yeah. Nice. So yeah. I, I got a serious, nice. very serious question here. What does the dick button do? Uh, the dick button, I'm pretty sure, just gets you off because the i mean they show the, the characters and there's f five buttons and one's on the left arm one's on the right arm the other one's on the left leg one's, one's on right the on the jam the other one is where the dick is if they got a really long dick it's between it's like between the legs though i think so what what appendage is that if not the dick? actually you know what I think it it's tail? just the start. No, I think it's the start button. I think the dick button is the start button. And then I think the other four buttons are either left forward, left back, or right forward, right back. I oh, think that's, okay. how, it, that's okay. how it works. Well, if you're, okay. you're going to be tapping that area, you're starting something all right. You've oh, got to yeah. stop oh. it. Go ahead. <laughs> I like how you knew all the words to that song. I didn't know you knew all those words. Oh, there's so many words. <laughs> guy, you know, you know what, guy? Like, there's so many freaking words. Oh, guy, fucking so, whatever. Uh, but yeah, this game came out in 1988. Uh, it was one to two players. It's a fun game. Uh, I suggest playing it if you ever can find it, even if you just play it uh, on an emulated version. It's definitely uh, neat still. But the main difference about the arcade machine is just how tall the screen is to get more of that, you know, vertical kind of panorama of the, the river as you're going, which is neat. And uh, a little anecdote, which I think is super cool. Uh, apparently, this game was included in a Midway Arcade Treasures, um, which is interesting because it was developed by Atari, but still included in a Midway Arcade Treasures expansion pack for the game Lego Dimensions which for those who don't remember uh, was kind of like Lego's answer to Disney Infinity. But what what what's an what's an dimension? How did it get Lego? How did it get It's Lego? like a really cool Jewish guy. It's oh. actually where a cool <laughs> Jewish guy lives. He, a mensch lives in a mansion. 
So I think he's just a, making shit up, guy. Like, he was no, a Lego. This is fact. He was a Lego dimension. Lego dimension. He was a Lego Pago- dimension. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah. in in in, in this in the spirit of uh, in the spirit of making this not longer, uh, so. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this Midway Arcade pack for LEGO Dimensions, it was a whole extra level that was like an old-school arcade. And, you know, you could run around, do whatever you would do in the LEGO game, but they also included 23 fully playable classic arcade games that you could walk around to and play. Uh, and Tubin was actually one of the games. Huh. Uh, so uh, there's a whole bunch of ones. You can, you can look those up on your own time. Uh, but, yeah, so... Tubin, Tubin has On a, a legacy. Sunday afternoon. Tubin. Fast <laughs> rush. Right, it is Thursday. Um, yeah. That's it. That that's that's all I gotta say. It's it's nice. kind of neat and it's kind of neat and it's kind of fun and it's definitely a, a fun one to play in person. Cool. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Cuckoo, so I guess we'll just end this segment right here. I think we're good. Okay. So yeah. uh, we've been talking. Over. We've been about these unique this episode and I would like you to Octa ponder this what was your go to arcade so why don't you think about that for a bit while we go on a short break Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy, from movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo ponder this. Welcome back, board everyone. I asked you this week's octo ponder this question, which was, "What was your go-to arcade?" But first, we are going to do our best to do this thing ourselves. So let's start with flash mode. Oh, what a shock! I'm first. Um, <laughs> Shocking! Ah, uh, well, my go-to arcade was always the T-Bowl back in my hometown. It was actually not very far from where I lived. It was maybe like a right around the corner on the on the same block. So if I had a quarter, I was at the T-Bowl. I mean, it was a bowling alley, you know, given the name, but it had a few arcades in it, and that's where I'd play like uh, games like Shinobi, Akari Warriors, Contra, Double Dragon. But my game, my freaking game was super punch out and yeah. i played the crap out of that game any any chance i got 
And that, that actually, that, that little uh, arcade section, that bowling alley, had some pretty kick-ass games for the time. Like I said, I mentioned all the, the other games. There was also like F-14 Tomcat Pinball. Uh, for a time, they had Pinbot. It was like a Super Mario Brothers and Excite Bike versus like, you know, it was weird Nintendo. Like, it was like two machines, and they were kind of like, it was like cornered. Or, it was a weird machine. One we could have talked about in this episode, actually, but we could always save it for a sequel. Yeah. Because there was, there was more than just those two. There was like different combinations. Uh, oh, another thing I actually almost forgot about. I, I would just really quickly go back. Uh, another two-monitor game was the PlayChoice 10. Another Nintendo kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yes. Thing. True. I, I wanted to throw that mention out there at least. But anyway, T-Bowl, I love Super Punch-Out. And another real quick thing, I know I've said real quick like five times already, which defeats the purpose of being real quick. It's almost like saying, hey, not to be a dick, but... I'm going to be a motherfucking dick It's right like now. saying, I'm not a racist, but... <laughs> I'm going to be a yeah. motherfucking dick, but... <laughs> yeah, a motherfucking dick, but exactly. <laughs> but um, I remember playing that game so much, and it was like... The day I finally beat Super Macho Man, who's the champ of Super Punch-Out, like the very next time I went to the to that bowling alley to play it again, it was replaced by Rank King. Oh, so, oh which is like that was, far yeah. inferior. Right, right but so thank was, God you beat it on the day you did. Right. Damn. Yeah, honestly. I know, right? Holy shit. So, honestly. So that that was the first time my, my poor little you know boss rush myself felt heartache. That, that, was, oh, man. that was the first yeah. and only time I've ever, ever felt emotion. <laughs> <laughs> you peaked early there because bro. I've been I've been numb ever since. <laughs> num 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 num. Now now for that I I am actually done. <laughs> no, now I'm gonna go back to my real screaming to my pillow. <laughs> I sleep now. <laughs> I sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, eight bit alchemy. Uh, so unfortunately I didn't really grow up near, uh, a really great arcade, but the one that I which remember, is weird, which is weird seeing as you were born the same year as Periscope as Periscope. I know. Well, they didn't have video games back then. You know, that's why they had to do fake bullshit. Oh, Periscope. Like Periscope. Yeah. It was fake. It was, it was garbage. <laughs> it was fake bullshit. Yeah. It was neat looking, but it was, it was what, what the fuck is this? Um, but the, the arcade that I always remember just adoring and wanting to go to any chance I could, which was like twice. Uh, was the <laughs> Hampton Beach Casino or Hampton oh, Beach Arcade. Like that boardwalk right. arcade was fucking legend. Yeah. Oh my God. Sure. And I, I mean, I just remember being like completely in awe and never having seen, you know, so many cool different games in one place before. And uh, that was where I actually first played my all-time favorite pinball machine, Revenge from Mars, which, you know, we'll have to talk about pinball on another episode. Um but that place was so cool. It essentially had like three levels to it, but you know, like three tiers where you would walk in and the, the floor would like drop down a couple steps each time. And there was just a shit ton of games. And wow, what an incredibly awesome place that was. Um, it's, I think, still there. I don't honestly know. I haven't been to Hampton Beach in so stinking long, but yeah. that, was, that was the place for me. That was like Disneyland. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. that place is Wicked awesome for sure. Yeah, I always love. I love to go into those. I mean, because there was more than one arcade too. That strip had a few. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then, then uh, Salisbury Beach was another beach in the area, but a different, like across the state line, which had a couple of decent arcades in it too at the time. Yeah. Like, like this was like twenty years ago. Nowadays, not so much because I think I've been there four or five years ago, and and they were they were uh, a shadow of what they used to be. Too bad. Awesome back right. in the day. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right, Parasite Steve. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, 
Like I, I got two, but I think one might be Joe's pick. So, um, just I'll, I'll, I'll no, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Chuck E. Cheese. There was a Chuck E. Cheese. I, I don't even remember where it was exactly, but it was definitely the place that I would go uh, for arcades. I, oh my god, I, I loved going there. Um, yeah. Oh my god, I mean, I would go there sometimes with Joe, but like, it was just the best. They had like all the games that I still love to this day. Uh, and I can't even pick one. I, I was drawn more to like the beat 'em up genre in, in those days. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, so we're talking like both TMNT games, The Simpsons, X-Men. I loved Captain America and the Avengers so much. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker played a lot of that. Um, I really, really liked those kind of games. Oh, Spider-Man, the Sega Spider-Man game. I love Oh, yeah. Um, yeah like uh, Golden Axe, honestly, Golden Axe 2 is like still one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. I, I love Golden Axe 2 in the arcade. Oh, man, it's so freaking yeah. great. Uh, and then later, uh, although it came out much uh, after I stopped going to Chuck E. Cheese, but um, Alien vs. Predator might be my favorite beat-em-up game uh, oh, yeah. maybe ever. It's really high. I love yeah. I love Aliens and I love Predators so fucking much. And that game is just so out of left field. Why does that exist? It's so right. bizarre that... Because Capcom did that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yep. What? Capcom? There's even figures now supporting it. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And the the main human character is actually supposed to be Arnold's character, which well, I yep. didn't know at all at the time because they couldn't use his likeness. And uh, so they instead of calling him Dutch, his name is D Schaefer. And he's nuts. You know that Dutch's <laughs> last name is Schaefer only from like one scene in predator where you see his dog tag. Oh God, that is so cool. Mm. <laughs> or something like that. Like there's Damn, some like yeah. Lincoln, Damn. you miss it or it's on a dossier. It's something like that. Wow. And you find out that his, his last name is actually supposed to be Schaefer, but the whole movie, they just call him Dutch, but that's supposed to be Schwarzenegger, which makes it even more fun. You know, I, oh, hell yeah. I mean, I know that they needed a girl character and they came up with the, uh, the, the, orange anime chick but she doesn't really fit in my opinion i even though i i get it i mean a girl would have been awesome ripley would have been amazing but i guess they it probably would have been no way but wouldn't it have been so cool if it was danny glover's character from predator 2 oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. that would have been awesome that would have been fucking sure. cool i mean that that's what i would have done but like whatever i i'm gonna play as the predators anyway but anyway th- yeah. uh, i would say probably most of my my kid Arcade memories were probably from uh, that Chuck E. Cheese. And yeah. I mean, that's, can be a kid. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. That's where I first played Street Fighter 2. That's where I first played um, uh, like King of the Monsters. The first time I ever played like any of the Neo Geo stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, awesome. Awesome. I, I believe Chuck E. Cheese was the first place where we found out that. Uh, there was Turtles in Time came out. Yeah. Oh, like at all? Like you? At like all. that was yeah, where you like learned no about the idea. game? Had wow. no idea. Had no idea. Yeah, because that again, in those days, there's there's no way of knowing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, oh, it's a new game. You would just get Holy there shit. and be like, oh my god, they made another Turtles. God, it's friggin' magic. You're just like, what? What is this? Right. It it was magic. It was yeah. like, holy shit! Like we played the fuck out of that game. Yeah, and also it was like you know such a different time. So like you could actually have these hopes and dreams. You're like, oh my god, like you guys, wouldn't it be so amazing if they made like a beat 'em up game of like Airwolf? And and you know, there's probably no <laughs> chance, but but you're like maybe because right, it wasn't a no. You're like, is there going to be? A no. There could literally have been a beat 'em up of the A team. 
easy. Easy, yeah. no fucking problem. No kidding, oh, right. right. Right, I but mean, you just like, maybe never saw it. They, they never the had a. They never had a video game, right? No, they could have no. had like a in between levels where you're 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 uh, doing you're in a the van. test of strength, like in Street Fighter. Oh yeah, and, and you're yeah, like you're fortifying like a spy the van. Like, Fortify the van, and you're like I don't know, disassembling an elevator and putting the panels on or something. I don't know. Right, but you'd never know. You'd never know what the hell was going to be there the next time you went. Yeah, right. And back then there was no internet, so it's not like we. Yep. Find this Could have looked it up shit. to disprove it. You know, it's just yeah. like okay, whatever you happen to come across at the right. at a given time, you know, whatever. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it really was just like such a such a cool time. Absolutely, it was. So my pick, I'm going to do a cop out and go with Greg's pick, and that would be the T Bowl, only because okay. you know that place was so close to home. And I I remember actually I was pretty jealous of Greg because he lived like right around the corner. I know. I was literally like a, a minute and a half walk from where yeah. I lived. Yeah. And um, I remember like during the summers, um, uh, my mom would go to the laundromat and, and I would always tag along, not yep. because I want to hang out and do laundry with my mom. Right. Yep. The t that is awesome. right next door. Right there. <laughs> so I would just yeah. go there and I was walk by. Walk by the the dry cleaners. Yeah, and the, and the dude who owned the laundromat was always pissed at it because he you know he didn't want you to like use the change machines and then use the change. The yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh my god! Like every fucking time, uh, yep. I, my mom would go and I would just go with her just to just to go to the arcade. And this was like yep. back then where you wouldn't have to worry about your kids too much. And nowadays right. it's like there's a lot of freaks out there. You like you gotta like right. keep an eye on your kids. Like you know, watch them like 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 hawks or whatever just right and, you know, back then you could just now. say okay yeah you know go across the street go play at the yeah, I, know, I know you're going to be next door so just you know right right exactly, no worries exactly um and the street yeah. lights come on you better be home you know yeah exactly exactly right. and uh yeah I, I would always play like uh the first ninja turtles at the time and uh i i i, I want to say captain america and the avengers was probably there too um but i could be wrong but I know I played a lot of that game back in the day. And, uh, and I also remember uh, back in the day, uh, me and my siblings would go to Greg's place every other weekend because we would, like, us kids would, like, take turns sleeping over each other's houses every other week. And, uh, and we would go there, like, every other week we would go there and just hang out, like, not even – playing video games just like just watching people play video games was so much fun right yeah it was and no nobody was a dick back then like if you wanted to watch like no one cared as long as you didn't yep. get in their way right exactly it was so much fun yeah totally was i i really miss those days i really do yeah. and it's a really quick thing um i have a you know a, a youtube page boss rush mode i do have like you know, mm. arcade ambience. It's called Tribute to the T-Bowl. Actually, it's it's called Auracade, A-U-R-A-C-A-D-E. So I was hoping you were going to mention this because I yes. was like, I, this is such a perfect yep. like spot to, to plug this. Yeah, yes, that's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm mentioning it. Hell and yeah. it's basically like, you know, background, like, like oh, I got like seven or eight, you know, the, the my favorite machines. You're just the sounds of someone playing them in the background with uh, along with, you know, billiards and candle pin bowling and those out there who don't know what candle pin bowling is, it's it's bowling, but the pins are like really thin. It's not like the traditional like ten pin bowling you'd see on like ESPN or whatever. Right. But you know you'd have all that in the background too. So if you want a little bit of a taste of what fourteen year old boss rush mode was going through in that time of his life. 
Oh, go ahead and check that out on the Boss Rush Mode YouTube page. Yes. Yeah, we should definitely post a link to that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely. Yeah, I definitely will. I definitely cool. will. Yeah. Awesome. I got a few other ones too. It's not just the tribute to the keyboard. I got like I think four of them. So yeah, I'll, I'll post them all up on the uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, you know, you know that the week this airs. So awesome. Um, hopefully, people very, check it out and enjoy it. Very cool. Very cool. Absolutely. I, I just want to mention the uh, the arcade that I thought that Joe was maybe gonna pick, <laughs> and that that was the one, uh, the Aladdin's Cave or something, Aladdin's Castle. Aladdin's Castle. Aladdin's Castle. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that place. Yeah, because we went there all the time. Yeah, I mean, I do remember going to a mall that had an arcade, but I could not remember the name of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I was at the the mall in Natick, Massachusetts, which no longer exists and was turned into a fancy schmancy. uh, It's called the Natick Collection now. You have to pay for parking and such. Uh, hmm. And we're, we're have to Riffy and Raffy to bother. But um, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, it was just a regular mall. And there was this really great arcade right next to the uh, food court. So it was super Actually, fun. it was like, yeah, it had the, the big food court. It was actually in the middle. So you were like surrounded by all the food. Yeah, it was in the corner. So it was like, yeah. it oh. was freaking awesome. It was, and that was a really badass food court too, I have to say. Oh, it yeah. Was a lot of really, really different stuff there. Um, yeah, but sure. that, that mall was freaking awesome. Yeah, that was a really good. That was actually the first place I played um, Alien vs. Predator. Was there? Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I remember oh, that when Marvel vs. Capcom two came. Uh, out. Yes, I was gonna say didn't wasn't Marvel vs. Capcom two there? Yeah, too. we had this one summer where Joe and I would like, like you had a car and I didn't, and Marvel oh my god, we were Capcom there like two. day after day after day. Like, oh yeah, just to play Marvel vs. Capcom two. Yep. New Age of Heroes. Yep. Terrible yeah. soundtrack. Awesome game, though. We're taking for a ride. ride. Want to take for a ride. I should, I should have said that every time I picked Steve up just to go to the arcade. I'm going to take you for a ride. He's like, like actually yeah, just leaving. I know. Here. I should have done that, but I didn't. God damn it. In, my In my defense, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank me. <laughs> I'm all welcome. Right. <laughs> all right, so those were our answers, and now it's your turn to tell us what you think about this week's Octopon of this, which was where was your go-to arcade? Mm. And if you want to chat about the show or anything retro, you can always reach us at our Facebook group on Instagram at Redoctopus, uh, and also retro Twitter. underscore Redoctopus. Oh, oh, that's right. Yep, yep, you're right. Um, and Twitter is just Redoctopus. And you can always email us at Redoctopus at gmail.com. And uh, yeah. So with that said, it's almost time to catch that horizon. But before we say goodbye, let's go to this. You stop the speeding bullet. Are you afraid of the masked man? King Tribute. The NHL's last line of defense is someone who always seems to get in the way. The puck stops here. Hey everyone, Boss Rush Mode here, finally back in the crease with another edition of The Puck Stops Here. This is going to be a cats and dogs edition because the two goalies I'm going to be talking about this time around are Felix Potvin, or Felix the Cat, as he'd be called sometimes. And Curtis Joseph, also known as Cujo, you know, after that, you know, little, maybe not so well-known Stephen King novel, I don't know, maybe people have heard of that 
uh, underground like classic. Yeah, you know, you know, one of those, one of those, you know, cool little indie authors. Maybe you know, check him out if you get a chance. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> give him a shot. Give him a shot. Why He's got to keep the lights on. You know, it's, exactly. You know, starving artists out there and all that. Support his Patreon. Exactly. <laughs> 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 anyway, first, I'm going to talk about Felix Potvin, who was NHL career. Went from 1991 to 2004, which was a nice little voice track right there. Just for <laughs> <one character. laughs> it was adorable. Just hitting pure B. Pure B. I can't talk. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I don't feel so bad. Now. Joke out the window. <laughs> Thanks for taking some of that heat off. You're of welcome. Me. Anyway, some of the teams he's played. Well, the teams he played for Toronto Maple Leafs. The New York Islanders, the Vancouver Canucks, the Los Angeles Kings, and he finished his career with the Boston Bruins. He played in 635 games. He had 266 wins, 260 losses, 85 ties, 32 shutouts. Uh, he got the two All-Star games, one in 1994 and one in 1996. He was the first Maple Leaf goalie to stop a penalty shot in a Stanley Cup playoff game. He stopped uh, Patrick Poulin of the Chicago Blackhawks in 1994. So Chicago one. and the Chicago Black Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I heard you right. <laughs> okay, yes. And um, he also got into a pretty good goalie fight with uh, Ron Hextall of the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, those who are vaguely familiar with hockey know that Ron Hextall is an absolute fucking maniac. Now, when I say Felix Potvin got into a fight with Ron Hextall, I mean Ron Hextall skated 200 feet to go punch him in the the face <laughs> <laughs> that's like a that's like a zoom punch like he's he's actively i need momentum by skating so i can yeah. womp you harder but, hey, you know, Bob, but felix Potman, he, he held his own so and in 1994 he was only in the in the league like three years or so so i mean so the, the kid held his own and it was a pretty good goalie scrap hey, he did all right kid you did all yeah. right unfortunately he never got his name engraved on the stanley cup he never won a stanley cup championship but you know I always, you know, thought he was, you know, a pretty good goalie, and I always, I'll, Felix the Cat's a pretty cool nickname. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, always, uh, I enjoyed watching him play back in the day. Nice. And the second goalie I'll be talking about is Curtis Joseph, of course, you know, nicknamed Cujo, you know, for the C-U and Curtis and the J-O and Joseph, just really worked out very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also had a freaking badass freaking helmet, too, which was this big, you know, gnarly freaking dog, and, you know, it's... Especially when it was with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was like blue and it just looked really friggin' awesome. It was like some icy friggin' hell beast. Just so That's friggin' sweet. badass. Oh man, I friggin' love icy friggin' hell beast. Yeah. I got one in my in my car. <laughs> I don't know why I was gonna say car. His NHL <laughs> career span went from nineteen eighty nine to two thousand nine and he played for the St. Louis Blues, the Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Detroit Red Wings, the Phoenix Coyotes, the Calgary Flames, and then finished his career going back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He had 454 career wins, which is fifth most all-time, and, and at one point was tied for first all-time. Oh, no, no, that's a lie. I'm, talking about, I'm thinking of something else. But 454 <laughs> currently stands as fifth None of that most all-time. No, the fifth most all-time is, is true. Okay. His uh, 352 losses is tied for third most all-time, and at one point was tied for first all-time. The other two guys ahead of him are Martin Brodeur and Liberto Roberto Luongo, not Roberto Rowango, because that's a completely not person. Um, he had 63 playoff wins, which is the most from a goalie without winning a Stanley Cup. So 
Curtis Joseph also did not get his name engraved on the cup, never won a championship, unfortunately, in the NHL. He was, however, part of the 2002 gold medal winning Canadian ice hockey team in the Olympics. So, mm. I mean, Martin Brodeur was like the main goalie in that series. But, you know, he was, he was still part of that team, so he still got a gold medal. Uh, let's see. He also, he was the first goalie to have 30 or more wins in a single regular season for five different teams. He was the first goalie to win a postseason game for five different teams. The three-time All-Star, 1994, 1999, and 2000. And he won, in the year 2000, he won what was called the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. I'm going to have to take a deep breath to explain to everyone what that freaking thing is. <laughs> the King Clancy Memorial Trophy is a... <gasps> is an award given to the NHL player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and who has made a significant humanitarian contribution to his community. Because hmm. that just rolls right off the freaking tongue. <laughs> but he won that shit in the year 2000. So good nice. on you, Curtis Joseph. Nice. Uh, yeah, and uh, he also had a book in 2018 called Cujo the untold story of my life on and off the ice. I have not read that. I've actually just learned about that, you know, researching for this little B segment. So uh, maybe I'll check that out. You know, maybe I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's a goalie. I'm a goalie. So that has nothing to do with anything. So it, it exists. <laughs> I'm a dude. You're a dude. dude he's a dude. We're so we're all dudes. dudes hey, <laughs> we're all dudes. We're all yeah. Dudes. But yeah. So there was, that's where the puck shall stop. Nice. nice. Very nice. So do we have any promos this week? I kind of, I kind of already did mine. So. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm going to have plenty to promo, I think, like later in the year. I'm just going to I'm just gonna keep quiet now. It's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> because when it is time for me to promo, boy, I will howdy, I will, will you hate me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I... I don't have anything specific to promo. Um, I, I recently did some work for the Epic Tales podcast by Amalgamania. They are a D&D centric podcast, a bunch of really great guys over there. Um, we, uh, I actually was done an episode that they did talking about the halfling in D&D, which oh. is a, a race. Uh, so they actually have a lot of episodes the that one. cover. Huh? The one. On the race. Uh, well, the halfling. Uh, that for that episode, the halfling won the race. Okay. They were the race. Excellent. They are. Oh, all they, the they own that shit. They nice. are. They nice. own. Uh, but yeah, they basically have a variety of different episodes that cover you know various races, different classes, all kinds of different things that you want to know about Dungeons and Dragons. If you're a longtime fan or if you're just starting out, um, the Epic Tales by Amalgamania podcast is a great place to go. Mm. And uh, you can hear my stupid voice uh, there as well. God only knows why you'd want to. Uh, talking about the halfling. Um, yes, nice. and I, I did. I did their intro and outro theme music, as well as a couple of little jingles throughout, which I had a ton of fun doing. Uh, and again, um, you know, Ape at Alchemy, I have music on YouTube. And if anybody out there is interested in getting a custom piece of eight bit music, whether it's for your podcast, for your YouTube channel, for funsies, for a video for your ear holes. For, for your ear holes, but also for a video game. Like, if you're going to make a video game and you need a soundtrack, blink, blink, wink, wink. Can you tell I did my eyelashes <laughs> today? Please, <laughs> please talk to me. 
uh, I would love to do that so much, uh, so hard. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, hard. so so hard. Just like so a hard target, a hard target. Oh <laughs> uh, man, we should do a Van Damage episode. Uh, but yeah, awesome. anyway, uh, anyway, that's uh, that's my plug. Nice. Awesome, awesome, plug. awesome. So my plug, plug will be uh, I'll be doing this big project for my YouTube channel. Uh, actually, it's uh, on that interview we just did with Paul the other night and uh because the uh we did a video portion of this episode as well as just an audio uh portion that we're going to put up on our normal page um, don't time, worry I'm, folks don't worry folks i'm not in it so you won't see me at my fucking face <laughs> i spared you all that roughness so rest assured that was some unnecessary roughness if you were going to show up so exactly, you spared right. you spared them right. so you are all welcome <laughs> again thank so, me Right, thank me. Right. Paul Niemeyer so, replaces Boss Rush Mode in this episode. In this episode. In life got just up <laughs> So so this episode turned out to be like way longer than I wanted it to be. So this episode was like two and a half hours long. Yeah. And there's yeah. no way I don't think anyone's gonna sit down and watch four guys bullshit for two and a half hours. You'd so, be surprised. Maybe yeah, maybe. But uh what what I'm going to do is I'm going to split it up into five segments and it's, it's going to be like, uh, like a prime time event. Like it'll be, uh, like it's going to be on pay-per-view dude. It's going to be on pay-per-view guys. <laughs> pay-per-view. I'll, it's a five day event. I'll have the super chats all set up so you guys can make your donations. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'm going to do like part one, like on a Monday, part two on a, uh, Thursday and so on and so forth. So it'll be a lot of work, but it'll be worth it. And uh, I'm going to see if Paul himself will actually come to at least one premiere video. Oh, and do like a Q and A or something. Do like a Q and A or something. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. great. Like, yeah. for, 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 like for like after, like yep. after, like an episode is done or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah so very cool yeah a lot of great stories uh that paul shared with us i mean obviously we've name dropped him a few times i mean that's really excited that's why this episode was like two and a half hours long right yeah i'm looking i mean i haven't heard it so i'm looking forward to this it's it's he he's the the type of person who has a million stories to share and they just all segue off of each other and he's really you know uh just a super nice guy and, yeah. and great to talk to and nothing but uh gracious for us which is honestly huge because oh, yeah. it's just like we still feel i mean we're, we're just a, a small podcast you know our facebook group is over 600 people strong now thanks to so many of our great supporters and everything but it's still crazy to have you know an industry vet uh take the time to to do an interview with us and have a sit down and honestly he it was just such a good experience so right. really excited for you guys to check that out too Right. And plus, he's been very active on our page, too. Yeah. Lately, yep. anyways. Always encourage, you know, people being able to share, you know, their own work and things like that uh, when exactly. it's, you know, relevant and pertains to the topics and things like that. It, it's all, it just goes a long way to, uh, to have people, you know, all community, you know, a community that we're building here. So exactly. Really happy about that. Exactly. All right. So that wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all things that make growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
as well as being part of the Near VR Podcast Network, Retro.Quizzy is now a full-fledged member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So, if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like The Wicked Horror Show, Throw Down Thursday, The Horror Squad, and Black and White Whites. I have been your host, Nintendo. Keep playing, play safe, and I'll see you guys next time. Miss Vets. Cool cab for cutie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a dentist. <laughs>